1: Hello and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh TV podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. With me is Chris Fry. We are we share titles. We share yes. the founders of the Foot Candle Film Society, directors of the Foot Candle Film Festival. Yes, I think that's it. I don't know if there's <laughs> well, any other they title. Co-host of the podcast. co-host of this podcast.
2: So there's that. Yeah, sure.
1: So basically, if we had a business card for everything we do, it would just be a duplicate. with just each of our names just kind of crossed out and swap for the other one. So Chris, how's it going?
2: Uh, it's going well, it's going well. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this movie because it's uh, one that, our audience probably is not aware of, which sometimes can be an interesting thing when we bring movies to the table that not like Barbie, not like Oppenheimer that everybody's heard of, but this is one that you might not have heard of. So it makes yeah. it kind of an interesting thing to discuss.
1: It, it's true. The, the, the film Chris is alluding to is the film biosphere that we're going to be reviewing today. So we, we review a film every time we get together one review, and then we move on to another part of the show after the review. So after we review the film biosphere, we are going to move on to some recommendations of some films that you can check out online that either we recently have seen, felt strongly enough about that we want to give as a recommendation for your viewing enjoyment, uh, if you're looking for something to fill your watch list up with. But we are going to get first into our review of the film Biosphere, starring Mark Duplass and Sterling K. Brown. And that is available just uh, before we get into the review, it is available online for rental and viewing this is not a film, I think, that got any real theatrical distribution. So I think it is all direct to streaming services, but it is available to rent or view now. So let's go right into our review of the film Biosphere.
2: None of this is logical. We know that things happen that we cannot explain. Uh, do you? Yeah. <laughs> We want fast, we want slow. What are we feeling? Uh, You pick. In the not-too-distant future, the last two men on Earth must adapt and evolve to save humanity. That is the extremely brief synopsis that I am given on IMDb. Um, It lets us know that this is written and directed by Mel Eslin, who also helped write, or maybe she just produced um, The One I Love, love. Mm -hmm. The One I Love, which we discussed on this show a while back. Mm -hmm. That film also starred Mark Duplass, who is in Biosphere. Um, Also, as Alan, you mentioned in the introduction, Sterling K. Brown plays a character called Ray. Mark Duplass plays Billy. It is the two of these guys That's it. Because of the, you know, because it is the very short cast list. Yeah.
1: Very short credits, relatively speaking. Yeah.
2: So uh, what did you make of this film, Alan? And also, did you feel like you could tell it had some DNA shared with the one I love as far as kind of like using a science conceit, but then kind of toying with things? Oh, yeah. So and did you feel like? Mark Duplass also shares a writing credit. So, you know, co writers on this with Mel Eslin, director Mel Eslin, which this is her first feature as well. So, some, you know, interesting things to note there. Do you feel like it has the fingerprints of the Duplass production machine? Oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, I really, you could have told me that the Duplass brothers directed this and okay. I probably would have bought it. I, uh, <laughs> you know, their films, for those not as familiar with them, spend a lot of time dealing with unique relationships between people, people faced with uh, challenges in a relationship dynamic, shifting dynamics in a relationship. And their, their films are typically very dialogue heavy. I mean, they're not visual filmmakers. They are very much about the words and, and and the interactions between uh, key leads and relatively short cast list too. I think has been kind of something I've seen in a lot of their films. The one I love, you mentioned earlier that Mark Duplass was in not Made by the Duplass brothers, right? Or was it?
2: No, 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 it was directed by yeah somebody else. But I think
1: they hand in hand in production on that as well. That you're right. That was a very very similar style film where we mainly were following two people in that that movie. In this film, Biosphere, we are truly just following two people. Um, It is a sci-fi conceit around the film, although I would argue to say it's not the sci-fi. Conceit that you may be imagining, right? Because right. again, the the premise of the film as it starts, as you said, it's two men living in a biosphere. A, a out of sphere, necessity, out of necessity, you, right. you. It's something you learn over the course of the film. Maybe why, even though. To some degree
2: backstories are hinted at but <laughs> hinted, never, never explicitly but never given, which it.
1: I admired. I, I actually liked that. I liked it being a little more mysterious. Sure. It would have felt like a lot of exposition to kind of ha- sit there and roll it out and tell us exactly what happened. They gave us enough to make it interesting, but the actual conceit of the film is actually shifts into something very different. Still a quote science fiction, kind of conceit, but a little different than I think what you may expect when you're getting into the film. I, I will say, um, look, I, I enjoyed this film. Okay. I thought it was fun. I thought it was interesting. I thought, um, it prompted discussions with me and other people afterwards, even but though I watched, watched it by Loon. myself. Okay. I know, but I gave a, a two minute <laughs> synopsis of the film to somebody else Okay, close to, and just, we talked about the concept of it. Got gotcha. you. I don't think this is a film that a lot of people will enjoy because it is very um it's 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 small, it's intimate. It it relies on you really buying the relationship of these two characters and mm-hmm. then when it does go through a change, it's going to be uncomfortable for some people. I personally liked it because I like the bigger questions the film is asking. Got gotcha. you but it still made it uncomfortable.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I watched uh, it with my wife and uh, it was, it was really bizarre to be doing that. um, I'm sure it was.
1: So I, I did like this. I think mainly because I like Sterling K Brown. Mm. I think he's really good here. Mark Duplass is playing a Mark Duplass character. He's very similar, but he's still enjoyable and I think fun to watch. And I like the, the questions it raised, you know, Um, there's not a lot much else beyond that. It's just, it's, it's, Gives you a relationship between these two men gives you a a situation they're They're found in that it doesn't feel the need to go into a lot of detail on why and how, and then it changes that dynamic of the relationship for them. And you're left to see where that transpires in it. Um, it's a simple film in a way but yet uh just enough thought provoking to make you make it stick with you afterwards and give some conversation. So Chris that that's kind of my take on it I'd like to hear <laughs> your take on Biosphere. Well, Did you it, feel the same way or do you feel differently? Well
2: I'll now? tell you um I the basically we will we'll go ahead we're not going to spoil anything but we'll go ahead and say that what ends up happening? We'll kind of get into that because that kind yeah, of I leads think we me, can. That leads me into how I feel. I
1: don't consider it a spoiler because no. it does happen about a quarter or third of the way through the film. You sure. kind of learn where this film is going. So.
2: Sure. Yeah, yes, they are trapped in here. And one of the first things they run up against is they notice that their fish, they've kind of been relying on for food, are dying off. And such that I believe the last female has died. Yes, they're yeah.
1: down to the last female. And then it... is on the verge of dying. Okay.
2: And then something happens to the fish. It
1: Well, something happens to a male fish, one of the remaining male fish. Right, 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 right.
2: So the female is dead. And so then they have two male fish. They're like, okay, and they see, you know, they're in locked in this biosphere. They're able to raise vegetables. But I guess as far as meat and sustenance, they're like, okay, this is this is bad. So They, one of the male fishes then kind of evolves to where it is now a female fish. And then they have eggs in the little aquarium thing.
1: Yeah. The fish basically evolves, changes its gender, uh, sexual organs and so forth to be, to be able to have create life now.
2: Right. Yeah. So that, that's kind of the first thing that happens. And then the thing that kind of sets up the, the then big point of the film is that happens to. Uh, one of the two guys in the, the biosphere. Yes. It happens to um, – I I keep – I get their character names mixed up. It happens to Mark Duplass's character, Billy. Billy. Um, it happens to him. And so then that changes the dynamic between him and Ray because from what little background we have, they apparently have known each other their entire – well, maybe not entire lives, but yes. at least from like five or six years old all the way up until currently. For a, for a good like long time. They've been friends. Or they so. grew
1: up together to some degree. Yeah. They work together and, as
2: <laughs> well. Well, apparently yeah. they're again and that was one of the things that kind of frustrated me about the film. Um, you know, Duplass movies like you talk about often have, I mean, he's the one that's kind of somewhat credited with coming up with the whole mumblecore movement yeah. where they kind of just ramble and go all over the place. And it doesn't, it provides, you know, dialogue for the film, but not necessarily narrative framework. It's just Mm -hmm. kind of all over the place. Um, and with this one, I have to say the ending, which won't spoil the ending saved this entire film for me, Hmm. like really saved it. Um, because I was kind of frustrated when they revealed like, Oh, Mark Duplass has now has female organs. What's that going to mean for the future of humanity? What's that going to mean for these, two people stuck in a biosphere and the conversations they have about gender and about other things. Okay. But at some point I just kind of felt like they were, I felt like they, you know, it could have been more of like a short film, I guess, than an hour and 45 minute feature film. I will say though, um, like I said, the ending saved it. But before we got there, some of the dialogue conversations I felt to be, um, of a higher quality, maybe, mm-hmm. um, they're almost like kinda like you think of like a Tarantino conversation in Pulp Fiction at the diner or between John Travolta and Samuel K. Jackson. Like the conversations they have there were that were like they furthered the character, but they were also making pop culture references or mm-hmm. very interesting. This film starts off with them talking about Mario and Luigi, yeah, <laughs> the, the Mario, Mario Brothers, Brothers characters. Mm-hmm. And you know, you could just think it's a throw off but then later on it it comes back. And the fact that it comes back and it makes you, it was more, there was, there was more there than just kind of like a throw off clever, clever conversation. So I appreciated that. There was some talking about, um, what classifies as a beach reading, which I thought was funny. Mm -hmm. And then the, the kind of icing on the cake that has a payoff is there's a birthday magic show story. Mm -hmm. And, it's alluded to. And then it's told at one point by Sterling K Brown and then retold at the end of the film by Mark Duplass, Mm -hmm. kind of his spin, I guess we could say on the birthday story. And that is what kind of, I was like at the end, I was like, okay. And then kind of once the cut to black happens, the discussion that happened afterwards between my, my wife and I like, okay, what do we think that means? Why do we think this happened? Like, I don't know it, it got really interesting. So yeah, if you go into this film thinking it's going to be science fiction, I guess, like you typically think and there's in the trailer, they kind of allude to there's a green light that is mm. unexplainable that's outside the biodome that seems to grow larger and something you don't really know. And if you're looking for more of that type of <laughs> aliens and kind of sci fi, you're going to be more disappointed. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It, it's not interested in that. that yeah. The, the science fiction element is just a framework, a place for them to have, for them to be confined and to have to deal with evolution and uh, uh, survival of species. And, and that's the science fiction route right. it actually ends up going down, not the we're out in the biosphere for whatever reason. They never really explain it's because the earth got torched. I mean, if they allude to the fact that Billy at one point was president of the United States and did something that... Doomed the whole world, yes,
2: and <laughs> so, Ray, Sterling K. Brown, he was an advisor, yeah. And yeah, he kind of did something that wasn't smart, right kind of yeah, 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 I
1: mean, it was just so it does pose some interesting questions. I mean, these two being the two that are left of civilization, if that's kind of really what the deal was, is just the two of them left. Uh, If they were both kind of complicit in whatever caused this to happen, but now they are the only two left remaining, right? the the opportunity to possibly restart society or not, I mean, there's just, it gets us some bigger questions than just, there's a green light in the sky, we don't know what that is. Because that is something that kind of pushes them forward in dealing with things from a timing perspective but ultimately it's not important to the film. Well, did you
2: so. did you find like you know I mentioned I had a little bit of frustration and not necessarily getting bored but kind of getting 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 frustrated. You know, it has a very three act play feeling mm-hmm. because it is a limited setting there's very little action and it's very dialogue heavy and you only have two characters. I I don't know the production time of this film, but I feel like it could very easily have been a COVID film Mm -hmm. because it is one location, only two actors, probably maybe a smaller crew because it is an independent film. So I wonder, did you, or do, was it, were you invested in enough that you never found anything? Yeah.
1: No, no, I, I I, was engaged the whole way through. Okay. I, I thought it kept it just interesting enough all the way through. I think the fact that you never spelled out exactly what led them to the situation. It's never like completely laid out what their past relationships been as explicitly. I think that actually worked for me. And the fact that I, I found myself paying attention to every conversation they're having because I'm trying to, I want to understand the dynamics of why they're here. Right. and but the film's not interested in that as much. All it needs you to know is these guys are friends. They kind of work together. They might've done something that actually impacted the rest of the world. And now they're too, the two of them are left here to fend for themselves and to figure out what, what their role in life is going to be. That's yep. it. Yep. Um, I like the fact that it never laid out anything for us. It never, we never got a backstory. You just, uh, we never got the big uh, monologue where somebody's explaining exactly what happened. Yep. None of that. And that's, that's good. I didn't need that. And actually it kept my interest. The fact that I didn't get that, I found myself much, much more engaged with their conversations in general.
2: I think, uh, Mark two I like him. I've seen his other, you know, a lot of his other films, I guess, like you said, I'd seen Sterling K Brown before. Um, and I saw him in that movie from last year, honk. If you love Jesus or yeah. something like, that. um, which he was good. And played like a, a preacher, a really like outsized ego, big preacher guy. Um, and this, he was good. And I think, but what the moments where he got to be angry, Mm -hmm. I don't think I'd ever want Sterling K Brown mad at me because when he is mad, he has, can be very, very intense. And that's something that I'm not used to in a Duplass film. Like, you know, you, like you explained a lot of the films are about relationships and something will shift. And then how do they recover from that? So, Mm -hmm. and yes, so that this is very much in that template, But some of the the conflicts they feel because they're two men, they've had this certain relationship and then things shift and Sterling K Brown kind of reacting and man.
1: Well, when he reacts and I thought that was the most powerful part of the film where he reacts to a situation that's posed to him, but he's reacting in a very different way than how you've seen him up to this film. True. And then they discuss that. Why he reacted. And I'm like, okay, that's really good (laughs) because again, Um, it's opening up some other doors. It's opening up some other dialogue. It's opening up some, some, you know, it's a little bit of a commentary on how kind of the nurture versus nature. He's real. He, he, he reacted in a way that his, how he was raised and how Mm -hmm. he was grew up kind of came to the forefront where he had never been like that before. Never felt like he'd been like that before, but he was posed a, such a situation that's so outside of what his, comfort level would be. And especially Mm -hmm. from his family's comfort level that he kind of exploded. And I think it was just, it was fascinating. I think it was a really interesting moment and scene there.
2: Yeah. And they deal with, they do make, they deal with, you know, gender norms and then Mm -hmm. they deal with kind of religious backgrounds, Mm -hmm. family backgrounds, um, things like, I mean, they kind of mentioned too a little bit of politics because like the guy was president and then If you kind of from what you can pull from these people, they have been friends, but Mark Duplass was, I guess, Republican and Sterling K. Brown was Democrat and he was in, I guess, maybe his cabinet or something like that. So kind of like they kind of touch on all these different things about how, you know, different, different people working together that may not necessarily believe everything. I know it was just very. Well, there was even a little bit of a
1: sense of Sterling K. Brown's character of, of Ray kind of insinuating that he could have stopped Billy from doing whatever Billy did that caused the, the the world to have such the problem it had. Right. But he didn't. And there may have been some politics involved in that. There may have been some, uh, yeah, it got, it got interesting. And again, I love the fact that it's not all spelled out. You kind of have to start puzzle piecing some things together, but right. that's what keeps it as an engaging film for me. So, yeah. Uh, and yeah, and then tying it all together at the end with the, magic trick story yes. in the kind of the end beat we get at the end of the film. Yeah, it's, it's good. I'm very happy. It didn't. I'm very happy. It didn't try to just like cow uh, kowtow to what probably audience expectations were about where the film was going to go or how the film was going to end or not that. I like the fact that it didn't give any of that. It's like, Nope, we're just going to, this is all you need to know right here at the very end. That's all the story we need to tell you. That's it. Would and it, it ended Was it a completely satisfying ending? No. If you're looking for a narrative, a true (laughs) narrative thing, no, it's not satisfying. It was satisfying for me because that's all I needed to hear at the end. And I was, I was happy with it. So,
2: so would you say you found the ending hopeful at all? Mm, Yeah. Okay.
1: I guess I did. Yeah.
2: A little bit. Okay. Yes. Okay. I'm
1: going to go on record with the S I found the ending more hopeful than not hopeful
2: see the interesting thing is um, I kind of I kind of didn't know what to make of the ending for a little bit and then I had to kind of sit with it and my wife and I actually went back in the film and replayed certain moments to kind of now that we knew where the film ended up we're like okay let's let's listen to these guys talk again <laughs> yeah and we did and we're like OK, see, that is a okay. sign of, a, of an so, effective
1: film. If right. you find yourself, even if you're watching, going back and trying to review parts of it to better comprehend it, that's fine. But you're still invested enough to want to go back and see it. And, yeah, there's parts of this film I'd, I'd actually, again, okay. this is not a cinematic masterpiece. This is not, no, you know, there's nothing vi- visually interesting. There's no. nothing I mean, cinematically, though, I can't even really credit. I mean, cinematography is fine. It's just it's it very standardship Yeah, it's just yeah. standard. Yeah, you have a nothing. very limited space to work in. It is all about the dialogue. It's all about the communication between the two. And it and, looks uh, very
2: much like the inside of the biosphere, which we never see. The outside of the biosphere. You are right. literally inside, trapped inside, just like they are. I
1: mean, you have like what three or four rooms to kind of explore within, and that's it. And it's it, all kind of open air open, too, so they yeah. can
2: kind of. It is one big room, but yeah, it is kind of sectioned off a little bit.
1: Yeah,
2: but um, yeah. I think, and that to me, it bothered me a little bit, but I got over it. I could just tell because you never see the outside. You never say it. it's like, yeah, this is so much a set You know, to me. It's like, yeah, but it, you know, it's but that's like, not
1: what was important to the film. No, so, you important. know, yeah,
2: I, I, I liked it quite a bit.
1: I like any film that causes you to have a, have a dialogue mm-hmm. afterwards. Sure. For better or for worse, for good or for bad. I still think that's a, a sign of an interesting uh, film and uh, this had just enough going on with it to really keep my attention the whole time. Keep me engaged. I like these two characters. I wanted to know more about them, but I was happy. I didn't get more. So it was, it was all good. I'm I'm, I'm all good with it. When I, I don't think, really have any, I don't really have any complaints.
2: That's good. See, I, yeah. I don't have a complaint. I would say, I guess a minor frustration was that I was, I felt like they were kind of circling around for a little bit and going oh. for some of that, not shock value, but just kind of the, Oh, you know, the fact that he's a different gender now. Oh, okay. And like wanting you to really like wrestle with that. And I was like, okay. And like, you know, I I wanted wanted there to be more, I was just like, okay. But then like it, it worked. And I think what made it end up working, like I said, was kind of the end. I will say, I think this is a film that I see like in IMDB. It has a 5.5 out of 10. Mm. And I feel like it's a film that not many, probably many people haven't seen. It didn't get like a theatrical release, but I feel like, it has people that are really, really going to like it, and then some people that really, really hate it. Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. I <laughs> so like I said, I it can do be not, a very
2: polarizing. I
1: do film. not think this film is for everybody. Right. Uh, you mentioned the IMDb rating, fair okay. enough. Sure. But uh, I will also couch you over to Rotten Tomatoes okay. if you wanted to use the fair tomato enough. meter. The critics tomato meter is seventy nine percent, which okay. is considered quote fresh. Fresh. So, <laughs> um, yeah. More people are getting it than not on critical side. Sure. Now, audience is actually seventy two percent, which you know. I'm kind of surprised by that. I thought that might be a little lower on the audience side, but I do think the people who are seeking this film out, it's not general audiences yet. These are people that either know the actors, they know the, the, the filmmakers or they're, they're into this type of film in general. Right. And uh, if you
2: had been sold like, Oh, it's an indie sci-fi movie and you go in, I think you're going to be, you know, you're going to be disappointed. I mean,
1: you're saying one of the critics, I mean, again, I'm not, I'm, (laughs) <laughs> we don't need to re- bring up other critics on this show. We both are saying, sure. Yes. I mean, I like it quite a bit. I think it's you worth were saying, you yeah. like, you know, a uh, top critic from Mashable says it's the best 2023 movie. You might just overlook. Um, okay. There are people who are, are into it. And then there's a, uh, yeah, I'm reading a few who are not. So um, <laughs> I, I liked it. Look, it's, you know, could it have worked as a short film? Maybe, although I think you would have really shortchanged getting to know these two characters as well as you did in a short film. You would have
2: had, to, yeah. That's... You could have
1: explored the premise. You could have explored the the plot machinations in a short film, but I don't think you would have gotten quite that level of relationship that you needed to have between these two to make the ending and the the whole last half work better.
2: Well, I guess well, I'm I'm feeling like it could have been a tighter. You know, one of the comments, I'll, you know, run time. I feel like it could have been 80 minutes.
1: I I do think it could have been shorter. Mm -hmm. I I, I agree with you on that. I think it could have been. um, But that's maybe the only feedback I've got for it. sure. I mean, I think it just feels so uh, uh, it's not going to it's not going to change the world. It's not going to make a hundred million (laughs) dollars. It is just a good fun film to cause you to talk and cause you sure. to think. And absolutely. it did that for me right away is after upon a first viewing. So
2: it, it did for me, especially like it, it just nailed the ending. Yeah. So
1: it's good. So, yeah. So are we saying, since I was the one who brought this film up as a suggestion, <laughs> I would like to take credit for the sure. fact that, you know, Alan K Jackson was the one who said, Hey,
2: absolutely. We should, uh,
1: we should bring, we should review this film. I know nothing about it. Let's just check it out. Yeah, I did. And I'm pretty happy I did. Cause I was yeah. pretty pleased with it. So, Uh, Good. That is biosphere. That is uh, currently available on Apple TV for rental. It's available on Amazon. It's uh, anywhere you can rent films It's not available for subscription streaming yet anywhere. But right now you can certainly rent it or buy it on any of those, uh, those typical video services where you do get your your movies. So all right, Chris, let's take a very, very short break. When we come back, we're going to do recommendations Chris and I both bring up a film we think is worth checking out, giving a recommendation of something we caught up with recently. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with Foot Candle Films in just a moment. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation.
2: To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story.
1: Welcome back to foot candle films here on the mesh.tv podcast network. Chris and I finished our review of biosphere in the first half of this episode, which we both like, Mm -hmm. um, there were questions posed, Chris, maybe one day in our archives, we'll release our like off camera (laughs) conversation that we just had during the break. Um, but that probably gives away too much of the details. So we're going to hold off on that, but Suffice it to say, if anybody does have some comments or thoughts about the film uh, Biosphere, we'll give you an opportunity at the end of the episode of how you can reach out to us and discuss it with us, because we'd love to hear some feedback from other people who might catch up with this film as well. Uh, but first, Chris, before we tell people how to contact us, let's go ahead and give them something else to chew on, and that is our recommendations. Chris and I get together uh, every about oh, every few episodes and try to bring a recommendation to the table, a film The only stipulation is it has to be a film that you can actually watch online. So it's not one requiring you to go to the movie theater. It's not one requiring you to, um, go track down a VHS copy of this film. this is something you could actually rent or queue up or stream online. That could be a new film, could be an older film, something we just recently caught up with whatever it may be. Um, Chris, would you like to go first with your recommendation of this episode?
2: Sure. So, um, I'm going to recommend a documentary from 2022 that I actually did not catch up with recently. I actually saw it in 2022. I thought it was really good, but then, you know, all these other movies came along and I forgot about it. But um, what it is, is the documentary Nothing Compares, and it's about uh, Sinead O'Connor. And she just, as you're probably aware of listening to this episode, she just recently died. Um, And when she died, I immediately thought of this documentary because I'd watched it and learned a lot about, who she was as a person, her career, what happened to her after the whole infamous tearing up the Pope photo. And it was really the documentary was extremely well made. It's uh, directed by Catherine Ferguson. And apparently she had been after Sinead O'Connor for a while. Hey, I really want to make this documentary. I'm a big fan. And Sinead O'Connor was like, I'm I'm not interested. I'm really not interested. And finally, she said, well, I feel like your story is an important one and needs to be told, and I don't want anybody else telling it, and I don't want to tell it without you. And so she's like, you know what, fine, but I'm not going to be on camera. And I don't believe there's actually a lot of new um, narration or stuff by Sinead Connor. I think a lot of it is taken from past interviews and basically just past interviews that she's done. I don't know if they actually got any new interviews done for the film, definitely nothing on camera. Um, so it's really interesting because it shows like a lot of her childhood, just, you know, like where she grew up and, um, just, it, it was, it was really fascinating and she did live a very kind of tortured, tortured life. Um, but what she how strong she was when the things happened with her tearing up the Pope's picture and the aftermath and fallout from all that was really, and I remember it cause I lived through it, but I didn't, you know, you don't know kind of like behind the scenes and behind the headlines of what's going on mm-hmm. and how she continued to make music and didn't, you know, still had some fans and continued to put out albums afterwards. Um, it was just really, really interesting. And, uh, the quote that I, when i actually, I reviewed it on letterbox cause I really liked it at the time, but She said this thing that um, they broke my heart and they killed me, but I didn't die. They tried to bury me. They didn't realize I was a seed. And that was kind of her whole thing, which now in the days of, you know, the Me Too movement and also like the abuse of the Catholic Church and all that stuff's come out with, you know, about how there Mm -hmm. was a lot of abuse going on. She like stood up for things way before anybody was kind of doing that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So. Unfortunately, her life was you know cut short. She was fifty something. I can't remember exactly how old she was, but uh, definitely a talent. The one new thing that they did show of her at the very end is she has a performance somewhere, Mm -hmm. and it's a like I'm assuming a rather recent performance. And what was amazing to me too is she's always I've always thought she had a really incredible voice, and uh, she still has it. (laughs) So it's like wow, that's. Even you know after all this time and everything, she's still got just an incredible voice. So yeah. uh, that's nothing compares. The documentary from twenty twenty two. I watched it on Showtime, but I think you can also somehow watch it on Hulu with a like a subscription or something. I, I don't know. There's and then I think you can also just rent it from VOD or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's 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 good. So, uh, I All right. nothing it. compares, Nothing so, compares. Yeah.
1: uh, either on Showtime or possibly just video on demand, other services may have to look it up and see. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to continue the trend of talking about music based documentaries or documentaries oh. about musicians. Okay. This is a documentary I know you caught up with as well. Um, that I'm going to give, I'm, I'm going to give a recommendation to, I, I, I feel like it could have been a little stronger, a little, a little better, but I'm still liking it enough and felt like. People who are interested in the subject matter will probably get a lot out of the documentary. It is Wham. Ah, it is okay. on Netflix, a Netflix original documentary. It is about the pop band Wham. You know George Michael, Andrew Ridgely. Um, I'll go ahead and say up the front. I mean, I I think my my little bit of disappointment with the film is I, I didn't feel like it went terribly deep. Um. Only because I, I I think it, you know, was also had produced and a lot of input from Andrew Ridgely, who is still obviously He's with us alive. Road, and yeah. you know, it was a fairly positive influence on the band in general. So the the, the film was definitely very um positive yeah, it about the band. I'm sure. It ends with the brand basically breaking up and that's it. So we it was, I admired the fact that it didn't feel the need to go further than that, because after that is when I know George Michael had some complications in his own life and some hardships and things that led to his untimely death. So the film didn't go down that route and I admired for it. The film is called wham. It's about the band and the band ended. They broke up. That's when the film ends. And it overall was a very nostalgic, positive look back on this time. What, what I do think the film was good with and why I'm recommending it is I knew these two guys were friends I didn't understand the depth of the friendship and the dynamic of the friendship. And the the movie made a a very good case for that, of how these two guys kind of fell into each other, you know, kind of uh, became the friends they became. I really loved the early stuff, seeing them. I mean, I never would have thought of George Michael as someone that had a really funny, like a good sense of humor and Mm. like very... Playful and goofy, and all, but they were and they had fun being that way early in their career. And that was really It was really great to see Andrew Ridgely is always one of the guys that you know, you never hear anything about you don't think about because he was never the face He was never the the voice that George Michael was but you come to find out how much of wham was based on Andrew Ridgely and his His talent his drive his you know everything else, but then you started to see that dynamic shift to George Michael and George Michael started to become very popular and famous and became known for his voice. So it was just, it was an interesting dynamic. Could it have gone a little further, especially in that whole shifting of where the attention was going from Andrew to George? Yeah, it absolutely could have. And I was a little disappointed. It didn't explore that dynamic more. Cause I, I really wanted to get inside Andrew Ridgeley's head. I wanted to understand mm. how did he really feel when this band he helped formed, He helped embrace George Michael when George Michael was a young, uh, young child that was from another country and came here and didn't know anybody. And Andrew became his friend and helped him grow as a person to now see the band that they formed together kind of shift all the way over to it's all George Michael. Sure. That had to have been some interesting drama there to explore, but the film wasn't really that interested. I think there was like one or two passing comments about it. And it was like, (laughs) no, but we're all good. Everybody's happy. Everybody's good. I think the documentary does work though because it's got tons of archival footage, tons of behind the scenes footage, to go with tons of interviews of people. I don't think there's any current interviews. Yeah, it's all past recorded interviews. Right, but it works, and it just the whole thing stitched together. And you gotta love Andrew Ridgely's mom's scrapbooks. Absolutely, um, she is the
2: her scrapbooks. She and the scrapbooks are like the stars. She's never on camera. Nope. But they have all these scrapbooks scrap book. that she kept of every single thing that went like was published about Wham! All these photos, all this stuff. And it was really amazing. So that kind of helped. I agree. It kind of made it visually interesting mm-hmm. because you have all these scrapbooks that the mom has put together. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Anyway,
1: cool. so I, it was a well made documentary. I will say the director, in case you're not aware, uh, Chris Smith. Okay. A um, lot of documentaries this guy's done recently. He did uh, the fire documentary about the fire festival. He did uh, American Movie back in 1999 as his first film. Jim and Andy, the Great Beyond about Andy Kaufman. More recently, he did Bad Vegan, which was a series on, on I think, on Netflix that okay. I know people uh, were fans of. The Branson uh, kind of TV series hmm. about George Branson, a little mini documentary series. So yeah, this guy is all over kind of pop culture documentaries right now and, uh, does a good job with them. I am the ones I've seen. I've, I've liked all of his work. So, um, that is wham. It is on Netflix, part of your Netflix subscription. If you are a subscriber and, uh, I'm, I'm giving a recommendation. Look, it's a music, a music based, uh, group documentary. That's going to get my recommendation just about any time I watch one, Chris, it has to be pretty <laughs> bad for me not to recommend a sure. music based documentary. But luckily for us, we recommended two of them this week. There you go. Very nice. Yeah. So that is our recommendations for this episode, Chris, with Nothing Compares. uh, Mine with Wham. And uh, both available online for viewing at any time you wish or desire. So So.
2: one added thing that I can't help but mention, because I just remembered it. It's one reason. But, you know, the film is just called Nothing Compares. You'll notice it's not called Nothing Compares to You. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, there's this whole thing and they mentioned in the film how they couldn't get rights to use that song in the film at all, which was a pretty big song in her career, Oh, sure. but it was originally written by Prince and that all the, the estate of his was very controlling and everything. Yeah. And they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't give credit to use it or really wouldn't allow it to be used in the film. No, huh. they couldn't even you, of course they couldn't, they showed outtakes from the video shoot, which was also a very famous video that yeah, they made for that song. Head, you know. Yeah. And um, they could show outtakes, but they couldn't use the video. It's Really, really fascinating. It's that's something out of the case. So she struggled against like the church and against the music industry, but then just the politics within like corporations. Of So, so again, kind of, kind of fascinating. So yeah, yeah. I just wanted to mention, so it's sure. not, nothing compares to you. Just, just nothing, nothing compares. compares. There you go. So as
1: you're typing in the name in your search bar, <laughs> uh, don't feel the need to add the, To you right at the end, just stop at nothing compares and you'll find (laughs) it. it, All right. So that was our episode, our review of biosphere and our recommendations of nothing compares and wham. So Chris, if anybody's got some feedback, thoughts, questions, comments about anything we talked about, what should they do?
2: You can send an email to info at footcandle.org and tell us why biosphere is the single greatest movie ever made or, why Biodome with Polyshore Shore was much better. You can. That's true.
1: We didn't even bring up the comparisons. We between did, the we did
2: not. Yeah. Um, basically, because I've never seen Biodome. Um, I either. <laughs> uh, You can follow us on Twitter, or I guess it's called X now. We're at Foot Candle Film. Facebook, Foot Candle Film Society. We are on Instagram and threads, just simply Foot Candle Film. Alan and I are also on Letterboxd, where we try to track what we're seeing and leave quick reviews sometimes. Do us a favor. Uh, Give us a star rating, write a review, share with friends or whatever service you listen to your favorite podcast on. It'll help us reach new listeners. We'd appreciate it. Last but not least, the 2023 Foot Candle Film Festival is coming up. It's going to be September 15th through the 24th. The uh, rundown, the schedule of the festival is up on our website, not footcandle.org, but footcandlefilmfestival.com is where you go for that information Tells you all the different films we're showing, gives you little synopses, you can buy tickets, all that good stuff. Like I mentioned, September 15th through the 24th, Western North Carolina, specifically in Hickory, North Carolina. We'd uh, love to have you come out and uh, see some independent film.
1: That's right. We will look forward to hopefully seeing some of you out there. It will be a good time as always. This is this our ninth year? Yes. With the film festival, right? All right. All right. Well, that'll wrap it up for today. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will look forward to talking to you next week with a new episode of Foot Candle Films. Take care.
2: See you in the ticket bomb. Watch-